Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to the Change Montgomery County Radio Network. And I am back after a brief or a sabbatical. I've been trying to <laughs> reel in my life with uh, some different things that are going on, all positive things. I uh, just finished a class in graduate school. Um, I'm currently in school for my MBA, and I'm, I'm truly blessed to be doing this. Uh, and have this opportunity at this time. So um, I had a lot of classwork to do, and uh, I I took a break. Uh, Kim and I traveled to uh, New Hampshire a few weekends ago. We visited uh, the Great Granite State, and then we uh, drove up to Maine, Kenny Bunkport, had some lobster, uh, saw the the Bush compound, and then came back and drove through Massachusetts, uh, stopped in Boston, we went down to Hyannisport and uh, through uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and Connecticut and New Haven, and then back home. So overall, I feel rested. I'm glad to be back, and uh, I'm glad to be bringing you uh, a an updated show uh, from uh, Change Montgomery County. So as you know, Change Montgomery County, we're a nonprofit, nonpartisan 501. Uh, C3 or excuse me, C4 organization, and we focus on issues in Montgomery County, and we bring you the news. And this show um, will bring you a perspective that you may not find elsewhere. And now that 2016 is heating up, you know you have a presidential candidate. It seems like announcing each day. Yesterday was Jeb Bush and. Or excuse me, on Monday, I guess it was Jeb, and yesterday was the Donald. And uh, maybe we'll get into uh, some of the candidates on both sides in a future show. But I want to focus on a race that's happening right here at home, and that's Maryland's 6th Congressional District. Montgomery County's broken up, and with the redistricting of the lines, the 6th District uh, falls um, 54%, I believe, is within uh, Montgomery County. So... There's going to be candidates on both sides uh, that I'm going to tr- that we're going to try to interview, and tonight I reached out to the first candidate, uh, Christopher James Mason of Frederick County, and so Chris is going to be joining me in a moment, and we're going to talk about Chris's platform, his background, why he's crazy enough to even want to jump into this fold. But I guess I should begin with uh, a little bit about the dynamics of the sixth congressional district. So. As you know, uh, last year, um, Dan Bongino uh, was the uh, Republican uh, candidate, and he came within, you know, what, nearly 3,000 votes of beating uh, John Delaney, uh, who is the Democrat. And John Delaney was elected, uh, first elected in 2012. He beat longtime incumbent Roscoe Bartlett in a race that, uh, you know, was not even close for Congressman Bartlett after winning all those terms. So it's going to come down this time, I think, to money, energy, organization, voter turnout, and we're going to talk about that tonight. So I'm going to bring in my first caller, and I'm assuming, Chris, is that you? Yes, this is. Hey, Chris. Um, my name is Ryan Miner. Uh, you're on the Change in Montgomery County Radio Network, and I have Christopher James Mason, who is a Maryland. 6th Congressional District Republican candidate. So, Chris, I want to welcome you. I want to congratulate you on registering to be a candidate, and I'm sure this is 
an exciting, the beginning of a very exciting journey for you. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I hope Absolutely. my wife and kids think the same way. <laughs> well, we are. I'm, I'm actually. I'm really excited to talk to you because I think that uh, tonight will be bring some greater perspective into who you are, uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, and why you wanted to do this. So let's let's start with who you are, Chris. Uh, you you wrote. I'm looking at your website, which is votechrismason.com, and. Uh-huh. Um, it says, I came. Uh, I come to Maryland by way of the Marines. My last assignment was at Camp David. Before I left the uh-huh. or the military, I met a Maryland girl and never left. My primary yep, job, right. yeah, my primary job in the Marines was infantry. I've been in Maryland for 14 years, and I've worked managing contracts and running security programs for a couple agencies. So, Chris, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Arkansas, but I was born in Texas. But I grew up in Arkansas, and when I went into the Marines, went to different parts of United States, and I settled here. So I'm um, actually from, you know, from the Midwest. Okay, okay. So you came here, you were a United States Marine. When did you join the Marine Corps, and are you officially now a former Marine? Yes, I am a former Marine. I joined in 99, so I was in about a year and a half, almost two years before September 11th. Um, so I was in it during that time frame, during the in-between. Um, and then after I, after I uh, got on my assignment at Camp David, that's when I I uh, stayed in, in Maryland, and I was engaged shortly after that. And then I, I took up different assignments and jobs here. You know, where I had my clearance, uh, and actually I worked in a lot of intelligence field and worked for uh, uh, several DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, National Geospatial Agency, uh, some of the different agencies around here. Um, so I do know the area well. I understand the people in the area. I understand jobs and commuting and, and uh, um, uh, the different things that go on with Maryland. And, of course, I live in the 6th the District. Uh, right. uh, now and, and, and kind of understand that Western Maryland a little bit better than the other parts of Maryland. Right. So you left. When did you leave the, uh, the United States Marine Corps? About 2003 is when I left. Okay, so 2003. You spent, so what, uh, roughly about, what, four years active duty? Spent, yes, it was four-year. Four year, you, know, you normally do four-year enlistments, and I did four years in the Marines and uh, got out after four. That's correct. Well, I want to thank you for your service. I think that's extraordinarily commendable and uh, and extraordinarily honorable. So, um, you know, we I, I I love to to talk to uh, former Marines and uh, Air Force, Navy, Army uh, veterans, and I think it's an important part of the political process having people that uh, have been part of the military run for public office because I I think it uh, brings a clarity of perspective that um, they may know that that candidates who run may never otherwise have. And I think the military forces discipline and honor and integrity and an American spirit. And uh, I think that you're probably going to bring that to the race. Right, Chris? But that's true. Um, it does give you a different perspective, but it also gives you a perspective of uh, meeting uh, different types of people in America. I mean, there's people in the military. I don't think a lot of people know this, people who can get their citizenship in the military. So I met a lot of people from you know, China, people from Russia, uh, who, who just newly got here and trying to get their citizenship. So you get to meet a lot of different people, and it helps you travel and meet different people and get different perspectives uh, of America. And I really got appreciation of people. I really want to – I really give me a heart to serve people rather than to be served by people. So I, that's why I wanted to – and I ran in the sixth – or the third uh, district for Frederick County uh, in these uh, Frederick County elections, and that was the first time I ran for office. So I, kind of, I want to get into politics because I see – uh, a lot of the citizenship, a lot of the people in America, 
um, they have bad leaders, and I want to try to um, you know get in the office and become a good leader for people. Oh, that's absolutely admirable. And so, back to the Marine Corps, you mm-hmm. uh, what do you what do you believe was your biggest accomplishment uh, with the United States Marine Corps? Well, yeah, I, my last station, probably one of the biggest accomplishments everybody asked me about is is probably serving uh, the president. Uh, I was there at Camp David and providing protection for Bill Clinton the last oh, part wow. of his uh, presidency, and then I was also there uh, for the rest of the time with uh, President Bush. And, you know, that was that was an accomplishment. It was at the Oval, been at the Oval Office, the White House meeting them. So that was neat to be there and to see how it runs, see how it works. And, and, and you know what, I got a perspective. is a, is an accomplishment, but it, to get at that level, because many people don't make it there, it's, it's like less than 1% of the Marines. Because many, many of the Marines do guard, uh, military assets do guard uh, much of uh, uh, presidential spots in, in places like the White House and Camp David. To give you a perspective right. that, these guys are human beings. We, we give oh, yeah. them way too much credit. My website says it uh, best is that these are not rock stars. They're not supposed to be. They were never meant to be by our founding fathers. They're supposed to be people like me and you. They're supposed to be uh, people who who didn't necessarily strive to become overly political. But uh, when I met Bush and shake his hand and talk with them, I talked to him several times, that, 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 that these are people that just put on their pants like me and you. You know, we shouldn't be afraid to run for office, and we shouldn't be, be afraid to get out there and do the very thing that, our founding fathers gave us the ability to do, unlike other nations where you can't even do that. So my right. my greatest accomplishment is meeting some of these people, realizing that you know they're human beings, and, and realizing that you know it's a big task to do. But uh, our, our founding fathers gave us the responsibility to do it. Just the regular citizen, the opportunity to do those very things. So just just out of curiosity, you also so you said you met President Bush, and I, I assume you met uh, President Bill Clinton as well. I did meet him too. Yep. Yeah. So. Any any personal anecdotes or uh, you know any any stories that uh, bring back any sort of memory of meeting them or talking with them? Well, you know, Bill Clinton. I didn't know him that. I didn't really meet him as much because his tail end. I think it's about the last six months of his term. Uh, but I remember meeting him, and uh, I met his uh, daughter, and I met Hillary too, and uh, just to kind of uh, juxtapose them against Bush. I really honestly thought, you know, that he was kind of the man that that everybody thought he was. He seemed a little. It came off to me a little. Um, uh, uh, I want to say it came off to me a little phony. Uh, you know, when I met him and shook his hand and talked to him a little bit. Uh, but you know, comparing him with Bush, I um, you know I really liked meeting Bush. He was very warm. Uh, his family was everything you, you, were, you really would have thought it would have been. I remember I'd always pick up his dog. His dog would come around the perimeter. He always Bush always ran. So I'd always I always pick up his dog, the black, little black one, and uh, um, pick him up. Who's that, Barney? Barney, yep. He licked yeah. my nose, and then I put him down, and then he'd take <laughs> off running, and the president would come by, and he talked a little bit, and then he and he'd out. But he was he was a really uh, great and, and cordial man, and he was always one of those one of those presidents that anybody it didn't matter who you were, but he would talk to you and see how you were doing, um, and it didn't matter if you were, if you were just a, a regular marine uh, um, standing there or a guy in the chow hall, he talked to you. So yeah. I, I remember him, unlike Clinton. And of course, to be fair to Clinton, I didn't know him as much, but. Uh, you know, he, uh, Bush definitely took his time to talk to anybody he could, and, and, and didn't didn't try to pull rank or thought he was uh, more than anybody else. I've heard so many uh, similar stories and uh, about President Bush that he's a very warm, engaging, friendly, hands-on type of guy. And yeah. uh, I've also heard that about President Clinton. So you all, you said you met Hillary. What did you think of her? Oh, you know, like I said, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I really thought I really got the impression that that they were very political. 
they knew what they wanted and they were out to get what they wanted. And, you know, they would, I felt if they were friendly to me, there was, there was a reason for it. Whereas if Bush was friendly, he was generally friendly because he definitely liked people. Uh, I'm not saying Clinton wasn't charismatic, but at the same time, I, I came off guarded when, when I talked with them. Uh, they, I just didn't get the same feeling and the same warmth that I got from uh, from meeting the meeting Bush. I, we could talk we could talk about Camp David for a long time, but I want to I want to get more into the issues. I'm reading from your your website, and you write that it's time for straight blunt talk from bad speakers, common sense thinking from dummies, and great praise for unknown individuals. My first common sense act will be to take no pay if I win office, and you wrote that you will donate your entire salary to pay down the federal debt. You go on to say, let my example be the litmus test for the serious politician, and you wrote, in addition, I will do everything in my power to support or create a bill limiting the amount of times a federal representative can run for office. You said you will push for term limits. And the final phrase on your website, on the uh, uh, comment section, you wrote, the less glamorous being a politician is, the better public officials will get. And um, so that's an interesting – that's a, that's a very interesting phrase, and uh, I think that the nation is shifting toward more uh, – for people that are going to be uh, frank and have candor – and just want to talk common sense, common values, and these common issues. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially in Western Maryland, um, I think that uh, it, it's – I think that Western Maryland is a microcosm of the rest of the country. And Montgomery County may not be as much, but Western Maryland, you have blue-collar, and you also have white-collar. You have hardworking people, middle-class folks trying to raise a family, doing the right thing and uh, just going out there every day and living the American dream with a house, a car, with their kids, putting their kids through college. So tell me more about your platform. What do you hope to accomplish, excuse me, if you get elected? Well, one of the things I hope to accomplish is I want to show people, which is what you just quoted, is that I, I'm, I'm really a nobody. And I, when I say that, I don't mean it's a pejorative against me necessarily, but we know that the people inside the Beltway, by and large, a lot of them, believe that the regular person can't win office and ought not to be in office, just as a country bumpkin. The point is, in my, my candidacy, even if I don't win, I want to win, but I want to prove to people that it was, when I meet people, I tell them, you should run for office. You should run for office because it's the people that are attached to the common society who are going to turn this country around. And one of the things mm-hmm. I'd like to do is I think you can kill ten birds with one stone. One of my main platforms is is to, uh, is to defund or, or incrementally take uh, funding away from the Department of Education. I think how we've gotten here is because of the education process. We no longer teach foundational principles in the public school system, which they were taught. How you raise your kids and how you teach your kids is the citizens you're going to get for the future. So if we can change the school system, I, I firmly believe we can change almost every subject that we're talking about in America, whether it be immigration right. or how so, you spend money or, you know, uh, uh, how we spend money at the federal level, whether it be wars, who we should call enemy, who we shouldn't, these things will be taken care of if you can take care of the education process in America. So that's one of my main platforms is to really work hard to try to take the education away from, from being so powerfully consolidated at the federal level and give it back to the states and counties. I'd like to see a diversification of education in order to create competition. 
And when you create competition, right. you'll get a better uh, schooled individual. Uh, okay, so Chris, I, I want to bring it back to you. Uh, so you left the Marines in 2003. Where are you now? I, I was looking at uh, Indeed.com, and, it, and it, I, I'm assuming that it's the same Christopher Mason. And That's right. I, I'm, I'm on there. Okay, so it says your work experience. Are you currently a carpenter now? Yes, I do. I do my own carpentry work, and I also work uh, for I also work for another company. I, I do two jobs really. Um, I don't okay. want to say it. I don't want to implicate either what I'm doing, but I work at another company, and I work in the security field also with that. Okay. Okay. Um, so you do security company, and you also work as a carpenter. Yes, and are uh, you primarily? And where at in Frederick, Maryland, are you located? I live. I live right out. I live right by Fort Detrick. Okay. Okay, so yep. that's not. Are you inside the city of Frederick? Uh, forgive me for I don't know the boundaries. Yes, I, I'm. I'm an. I'm not necessarily inside the downtown part, but I'm in what's called Whittier, the Whittier development outside of Fort Detrick, uh, going towards Gambrel, in between Fort Detrick and Gambrel, what they call Site B. Okay, tell us a little bit about uh, your family, uh, wife and kids. Yeah, my wife. She's a Fredericktonian. Uh, she uh, grew up around here. So her family lives in Frederick, and I have I have four kids, uh, six, five, three, and one, and we'd like to have two more. And they're 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 wonderful. They uh, our six year old uh, we have six five is are two girls, and then a three and one year old are, are two boys. And my wife, you know, she has a unique perspective for living here. She, you know, she 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 kind of clues me on on you know I've been here for a while now, so I kind of know things. But she'll tell me history about the place and and how she grew up and. She, you know, she grew up in the school system, and so she knows a lot about it. Um, and, you know, we, we go around to different parts of Maryland, especially the western part. Um, just, you know, I like to go out camping and things like that. So she likes to go out and do some of that. Not all the time, but she will sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I have four kids, and, and I'm trying to work on a couple more. I know a lot of people say that's crazy, <laughs> but I think kids are wonderful, and, I, and they're the future of our, of our nation. So, oh, I, as many I kids totally we, agree. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Chris, kids are kids are an absolute blessing, and it's what it makes it all worth it. I mean, and that's why many many people run for office to make our country a lasting and enduring that's country right. for our children. And I'm looking at your education history. Um, it uh, it said that you 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 went to Frederick Community College and you graduated in May of 2008, and then uh-huh. uh, you went you, you received your bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland. Was that the University of Maryland at College Park? Yeah, uh, University of Maryland, University campus, UMUC. Okay, and then your master's is, is at American Military, the American Military yeah, I, Institute. Yeah, I'm working on my master's currently. Okay, and when you graduate with your master's degree, do you have a special concentration? Uh, it was American history, American history. Oh, oh that's great. Um, so, you a little bit more about you. Uh, you were a former ca- uh, candidate for the Frederick County Council District Three, and I'm reading directly from the Frederick News Post. Uh, they did an interview with you uh, back in, uh, I guess it was Thursday, May first, two thousand and fourteen. And so I'm just going to read through a few of these questions as a precursor to uh, and to the greater interview that we're going to do. So it says Chris Mason is a candidate for the Frederick County Council in District 3. The primary election is is on June 24th, of course. And the first question it it asked you, why are you running for office? And you wrote, we need good men to run for office, not bad ones. I would like to implement legislation that would be a model for the rest of the nation. So you decided to run 
for District 3. It's the first time that Frederick County has ever implemented a uh, a charter form of government. Charter, yeah. So right. was that interesting for you running uh, for the first time in this newly formed system of government in Frederick, Maryland? Yeah, it, it was because a lot of people didn't understand what it was. Um, so not only did I have to run and ask people to vote for me based on what you know, I wanted to do when I got in office, but I had to explain the I had to explain the government to them because it was a completely new government. People didn't understand, so I spent most of my time uh, educating people on charter, and I had to educate myself at the same time. So I was learning as I was explaining it to them, and there was people who didn't like it in the first place, and so it was kind of like kill the messenger. I was just I was just running in it. I didn't I didn't know if I liked it either way because I hadn't you know I, I had, we didn't have it either until. Uh, until I was running in 2014. So it was an interesting thing. I, I love getting out and meeting the people and talking to people. Um, and it, it's also, like I said, it's also, it, it, when you're running for something, it, it's, it's best to keep things as simple as you can. Uh, and the charter and, and, and the controversy over that didn't make it a little bit harder. But I got a unique perspective on the different forms of government and how uh, Frederick County government uh, works at the same time. And that was your first time running for office for the Frederick County Council? That's right. That's the first time I ever ran for office. And it, you you named one idea how to make District 3 a better place, and you wrote that we need to lower the county taxes, increase the quality of education, while decreasing the cost to taxpayers. And I think that's a pretty standard Republican answer. Um, so uh-huh. did you – what did you – so did you run – you ran as a Republican. However, uh-huh. um, uh, you were defeated in the June 24th primary to a guy by the name of Denny Schaefer. You yep. – on election day, you earned 651 votes, and then between absentee and provisional, you got 30, and then early voting 129, and you came out with a total of 810 votes at 40.4% to Schaefer's 59.6. And was so you you came up a little short in the primary. Was that sure. a was that a humbling experience for you? Well, you know it, it was because I really thought I was going to win that. I really put the foot time in. The problem is I. And I lost. I did lose. No, it's not an excuse, but I I got started late, and I didn't appreciate the fact that if you're not known, you got to get started as early as you possibly can so that people can know you. Um, I looked at my opponent, and he had the support of the powerful incumbent uh, head uh, uh, commissioner, which was Blaine Young. He ended up he ended up not winning. Right. The guy who supported him ended up winning either. Uh, and Denny didn't end up winning uh, against Keegan Ayers. The Democrat actually won. I think I had a, I would have had a better opportunity to win against her. I'd at least won my primary, uh, but I, I didn't. But I, I really understood. I got to get out. Get started early. But in this particular election, people know me in Frederick, and I got a lot of people who are in pretty powerful positions who voted for me and are willing to um, support me in this congressional race. In which, uh, you know, Frederick's a good place to have a lot to have a lot of people who not only know you but are willing to support you. Um, so yeah, I did. I did learn. I learned quite a bit, and I learned what should do. What I, a couple of things I should do, and some of the things I shouldn't do. So you, when you, when you, when you came up a little short, um, and then now you, you, you're, you're running for Congress, and what, what, what kind of campaign related uh, strategy did you implement when you were running for uh, the the county council seat? I mean, did you go out and uh, sign wave and do the you know the, the traditional stuff like knocking doors, sign waving, and sure. on, on the fundraising side because I'm going to go into these series of questions because it's important because you're you're a Republican candidate in a district that has a majority Democrats 
And last time when Dan Bongino ran, who I think we both can agree, I think he was a great candidate. Um, and I think that uh, he had a lot of energy and he raised a lot of money. And this election is going to require a significant amount of money. And we're talking upwards of over a million and a half dollars. And any serious candidate, um, like it or not, is going to be required to to raise that money. So in the form of the logistical side, have you thought about a fundraising plan and how you're going to start raising an enormous amounts of money? You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I take a different approach. I know you, you probably disagree with me, but I, I take the individual approach. I want the individuals to get involved. If, if, if each individual family will contribute um, and they get to know me and contribute, I think we can make, I think I can raise a, a good amount of money, especially people who volunteer and help me. I think we can raise a good amount of money from the individuals. Of course, we'll take it from the businesses as well who want to give. But if you get out there, you get people to know your name, you know, and you get a lot of people who are contributing to you. Uh, I think we can do it one by you know individual by individual by a grassroots effort. Um, I'm just I'm just not the other way. I'm just not the other way. And I think if you fall into that trap, which I'm not saying it's always wrong. To get the higher, uh, to get those who who are in, in the know or, or or the big businesses to start supporting you, I think what you do is you have to um, down your message. You have to start to dole it down for fear that you may say something that a big contributor may or may not like. And I can't cut down my message. I'm a blunt talker, which like it says on my website. And I know I'm going to offend a lot of people because the truth does offend. So I'm looking for individual families, people to give to me, those who believe in what I'm saying. And, and are, are willing to support me in what I'm saying. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to get the bigger donations, but it definitely means that I'm not going to try to attach myself to a situation where I fear fearful to say something for for a fear of losing a, a big sponsor or a big donor. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go out there and do the best I can, have the individual support me, but I'm not looking for uh, great great donations from, from, from great organizations, if, if I can put it that way. No, I totally understand. So it, it sounds to me that you're you're going to focus on individuals, uh, families, and a lot of the grassroots stuff. And similar to what Dan Bongino did, because he I mean he raised a lot of money within the district sure. in the state of Maryland, and it piggybacked off of his uh, United States Senate race, which he developed that name recognition. And so my question to you is: Do you believe that you have enough name recognition in Garrett, Washington, Allegheny? and all parts of Frederick and in Montgomery County to carry yourself through this Republican primary? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. But I'm going to, I, I do have in Frederick, but I don't have in the, those other candidates. I don't have the name recognition. That's why I'm getting started early. I'm knocking on doors and start working my way back. I, I'm, I'm going to start now. I'm not going to wait. Like I said, I made that mistake last time. I waited only a couple months out uh, to the primaries. Whereas I, now with this, I'm going to start early. I'm going to get my name out there. By the time the, by the time the primaries come, everybody in the different counties in the sixth district, they're going to know who I am. They're not going to not vote for me for lack of knowing who I am. Okay, so then have you been reaching out to, let's say, the Republican Central Committees, um, the Republican clubs, the women clubs? Because there's so many of those. I mean, so you have each individual county, of course, has their That's own right. separate independent uh, central committee. And have you talked to the state parties say Diana Waterman and Joe Cluster about the race? No, I have gotten up with the state central committee and I've get, gotten information, uh, different okay. things like voting voting uh, uh, forms and lists, things like that. That's really powerful. And I've gotten 
access their databases and things like that. So I have gotten up with the Maryland Central Committee to ensure that I just, you know, like I said, I filed last week and I've just gotten started. But I plan on talking to those to the central committees uh, in the different districts and the local central committees and things like that. I mean, if they'll talk to me, uh, I hope, that, and I hope that they will. I know the different central committees can only be as good as they are uh, and, and as good uh, organized as, as they are. And, uh, you know, like I said, I hope I can reach out to them and they can help me uh, uh, to the best that they can. Uh, but, yeah, I do plan on reaching out to, to, to the central committees in, in the different uh, uh, counties. Okay. And and as you know, I mean, of course, the Republicans, if there's more than one candidate within the primary, central committees themselves cannot endorse anybody. But individual exactly. members can, can work on your behalf. They just can't endorse you as a sure. as a committee. And I think that the, the the Republican Central Committees, the Republican clubs, the women's clubs, the the young Republicans, and I should I definitely need to give a plug. We're I'm 29, and it says I'm assuming well you're 35, Chris. Yep, 35. Okay, so you're 30. So the Maryland Republicans just elected a new chairman and a new board, and I think that they're all going to be influential throughout the state of Maryland in helping with these different elections and. Um, I think the party apparatus is important uh, because they're going to give you direction. They're going to be able to give you guidance. And most importantly is ascertaining the data. So you said you're going to go up to Garrett County and you're going to start knocking on doors. Do you have the – do you have data um, that will uh, – that lays out you know, the, the 443424114 uh, primary Republican voters and, and the concentrations and splits up, that split up between yes. the different districts? Yes, I have the MD GOP database. I'm currently have access to it. I got that from the state uh, uh, Republican committee, central committee, and I have it all planned out. I have all the all the voters that are that vote often, vote less, Republicans, independents. So I have all the access I could possibly uh, need to the information that I have. And we're going to concentrate on the people that will turn out. Concentrate, mm-hmm. of course, on the Republicans now. You know, in the general. If I, if I, hopefully, if I get the nomination, we'll concentrate on them later. But yeah, I have a whole plan and a platform and who to talk to, and like I said, I have all the information, and that, that, that particular database I have access to it just makes a world of difference because it really hones your time and your efforts. Instead of scattering all your efforts abroad, you can really concentrate and, and concentrate on the people who, who will turn out and have turned out and, and, are, and are eager to turn out and vote for Republicans. My next question is, what do you know about your opponents, and are you familiar with other individuals who are also running in Maryland's 6th Congressional District? You know, I, I look I, I looked them up. Uh, I haven't. I've only seen one uh, person who's actually filed, and I cannot right. remember his name. I know he's a. I know he's a doctor, uh, or he has his PhD. And I think he's a doctor. Uh, but you know, beyond that, I, I, I've looked him up, and I, I, his name slipped my mind. But I've only know. I've only known uh, him as officially registered. I, I've heard that uh, state state congressman. I believe Voss is also planning on on running uh, in the sixth. Uh, uh, the sixth congressional race too, uh, but I, I officially have not seen him signed up. But it, yeah, I, so, I'm currently studying them and trying to figure out who they are at this point. Okay, so you you have so far I think you're, you're referring to Scott Chang, Doctor Scott Chang, who has Dr. a PhD Chang, and uh, he's a medical doctor. He's from Montgomery County and Montgomery Village, and you're the only second person to register. Uh, your candidacy thus far with the Maryland State Board of Elections, you filed your um, your state uh, with with the you filed your statement of candidacy uh, with the FEC. So I assume that you also have set up your your bank account and you have That's enlisted right. a treasurer. Uh, have That's you right. raised Have you raised any money yet? No, and like I said, I've just gotten started. This is the first interview. Okay. 
I literally just got it got started uh, a couple days ago. Um, I will end up raising money just from probably friends and family and things like that, and, and people in the community who vote for me before. But so far, I have not raised. Uh, I've raised no money right now. Okay, and for anybody who is just joining me, we are on the line. Uh, I have Chris Mason with me. He is a congressional candidate in Maryland's 6th Congressional di- District. He is running as a Republican. And, Chris, I, I we have a call-in. This is a, this is online radio, but we have a format where people can call in. And the call-in number to the show is area code 646-716-5971. So I want to go back to um, some of the campaign logistical um, items that we were discussing. Um, so, you know, you, you're going up against, and you, you mentioned delegate David Vote. David Vote is a, you're not going to be, so if David Vote, um, when he files, I mean, because he's, he made his intentions known that he is going to run, and he is a former Marine as well, and he represents, uh, District Force. <laughs> you, we're going to have two Marines in, in the, uh, in the mix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I think is great. Primaries, the better you'll be in the general. Absolutely, and I think that primaries are good things for the party, and I think that they uh, they bring out issues. And I hope that you have an opportunity to get together as the candidates and talk. Um, so, you know, I, I another can- yeah, another candidate who is um, interested um, is in running is uh, current the, the current president of the Washington County Commissioners, Terry Baker. I was at a Republican meeting that was. Uh, sponsored by the, the Legislative District 15 group in Hancock last month, and Terry Baker uh, attended this meeting, and it was there that he said that he believes that he is the strongest candidate. Are you familiar with Commissioner's President Terry Baker from Washington County? You know, I've never heard of the guy, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but when you say, when he says he's the strongest candidate, hey, he might be. I don't know what he bases that on, but I know when I ran in the last election, I met a lot of people running for state. Uh, positions and, and, and county positions, and I remember one guy telling me he's the strongest candidate, and I said, well, how do you know you're the strongest candidate? I really was generally um, interested because I didn't know how you knew that the first time running. I thought he did a poll or something, something very scientific, and he said, we got more signs in our yards than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. is that how you tell? And it turned out he came in last, <laughs> even though he had more signs. So Harry Baker can say he's the strongest, and very well made. Maybe he knows a lot of people, things like that. But it's up to the voters, you know, in the end. And if you really, get, if you really talk to them, reach out to them, you're almost you really, and you, you convince them what you're what you're running for and what you're doing. I think they're going to turn out and vote for you if they meet them where they're at. Um, but like I said, the strongest candidate, you know, we're going to see who the strongest candidate is in the end when when who, whoever gets that vote. But uh, like I said, I, I don't know Terry Baker, and I wouldn't like, I don't want I wouldn't speak against him. But um, uh, there's really no way to tell who's the strongest candidate until 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 we see who wins. Yeah. Do you? So do you think that? I mean, I'm sure you keep your ear to the ground as as someone who is involved in politics and you hear things. Have you heard of any other potential candidates that, who may decide to jump in? You know, I I've, I haven't heard of anybody. Uh, I didn't okay. think this this many people would jump in, but no, I have not heard of anybody else, uh, especially in Frederick. Uh, anybody I, I ran against or or with, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know of anybody thinking about uh, jumping in. Okay. So you, you're going to be out there knocking doors, and I'm assuming you're going to be attending events and going to – the summertime is a great opportunity to get out and meet a lot of people because you have carnivals, you have county fairs, you have parades, you mm-hmm. have these July of 
fourth events coming up. And when you get out into the public and you're going to the different counties from all the way up in Garrett down to the bottom rung of uh, the district and Montgomery County, uh, what is your elevator pitch? I mean, if you could describe your candidate candidacy um, in a sentence or, or less and, you know, 25 words or less, what would that be? What's your pitch? Well, you know, like like on my website, my key phrase is, is that a vote for me is really going to be like a vote for yourself. Be like voting for yourself. I, I'm not going to be a politician. I'm just not going to do it. You can see, and I'll tell the person, I, I'm not going to take any money. I don't. I don't think in this time, in in the crisis we have, 16 trillion in debt. I'm going to tell them that I I don't think a congressman or a senator or anybody running for elected federal office office has the right to take a salary. If somebody's doing a bad job, why would you enable them and give them a raise and affirm them in doing their bad job? More money you give them, the worst job they're going to do. I say, if you vote for me, I'm I'm not going to take your money, and I'm going to do a good job, and you're going to see a man who's going to do something. I'm not going to do something for you. I'm going to keep the, the government from doing things to you. That's my primary job, I see, is to keep the government off your back so you can do for yourself. And I think we need servants, and I'm going to be a servant, and I hope that not taking pay shows you. I mean, how many people running are going to say they're not going to take pay? Nobody's going to say that. I think many people who run, they want the money. $175,000 you're going to get paid as a congressman. That brings out a lot of people who don't have the best of intentions. So I hope by saying I won't take pay, it shows you that I have the good intentions, and I have I really want to serve the people of the city. Should, so, I mean, should you get elected and you be, you, you know, you assume office, not taking pay? Does that? I'm assuming that's not going to extend over to your your staff. You know, your chief of staff, legislative director. I mean, you, you no, want no, these guys they, to get? Would, no, I can only say for myself. No, they will get okay. paid. They okay. Will get paid. I can only say for myself. Uh, I can only say for myself that I will take no pay to serve the people. I, I don't even see how we even have the money to pay people, and it's not just 175,000. These people are getting paid tons. If you think of all top of all the per diem, the houses they get, uh, all, all the stuff that they can write off, um, we don't have. It would have been better if we'd have stayed a part of England. At least we'd only have one king to support. You know, uh, we have tons of kings. They're living like kings, and you can't take the money from the people, especially if you manage the kingdom as badly as they have. I don't see how you could take anything from people at this rate. So- Let's talk a little bit about uh, some some policy, and we'll go into the domestic side. Um, is there is there a candidate, or is there there's all sorts of different Republicans? And you know, for me, um, you know, I don't want to get partisan, and I'm I, and that's not the intentions of the show. But yes, I do identify my registered voting uh, on my voting card. It says I am a Republican. Uh, and with that said, uh, as, a, as a nuance to that, I, I would consider myself a small L libertarian Republican. Um, and what kind of Republican do you identify with? I would say the same thing. I would say I, I'm more. I lean more towards libertarian. I have to register as Republican because you can't win office. <laughs> you really just can't win doing it any other way. So you know, I'm registered as Republican. But I'm more, but I lean more towards a libertarian slant. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat. Okay, so going down just a list of issues, um, the Patriot Act. What is your thoughts on that? You know, I think parts of the Patriot Act are probably good. I just don't think the government has the right uh, to, uh, without a warrant, to use information that they've gained without a warrant on its own citizen. 
you know, we, we talk about it, Benjamin Franklin quoted this or that, but they were right. You know, freedom comes with danger. It comes with a little danger. If we're going to be absolutely free, you know, or if we're going to be absolutely secure, what probably means we're going to have to give up a lot of our freedoms. I'm, I'm okay. okay with that. I'm okay with that. So you believe, I mean, in essence, um, you know, there was a quote that if you sacrifice liberty, uh, you know, old Franklin quote, then you get neither, you know, liberty for tyranny, you get neither. Or so, yeah. I, Forgive me, I don't have the quote in front of me. But that brings me to the next question. You know, one of the elements in the news of the policy that's been in the forefront is the NSA domestic surveillance. So, you know, should the NSA, should they be allowed to collect the, the metadata of citizens' phone calls, such as numbers, timestamps, and call durations? I think they could do all that as long as they show, as long as they show a judge that they have the warrant to do that. You know, they got, you know, I guess if they have secret courts, FISA courts they talk about, that's perfectly fine, but as long as a legitimate judge gave them a warrant to do that, then they could do that. It should be on each individual person for each individual thing. It should not be a massive collection just because it makes it easy. Government and authorities, which they're great, but they always want to do their job easier, just as we as citizens want to keep our freedoms. So um, we have to be able to restrain uh, them under the law, which means that they have to get a warrant for each individual person. They can't just collect mass data because it's easy to do that. And I think that that was Rand Paul when he went on to the Senate floor uh, and talked about that and did the you know the the quote unquote the filibuster if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole point was the Fourth Amendment was that That's if right. you want to do this stuff, then go out and get a warrant from a judge. And and that's, that's the right. point because I think that we're at a point in time where we know that liberty is at stake. And in the last eight years, uh, arguably that. You can you can make an argument either way that liberty has fundamentally decreased over the last uh, several years, sure. and with 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 the presidency growing, it's seemingly growing stronger, um, and the checks and balances, especially with Congress, is growing weaker. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. Uh, I, I don't want to leave this too open ended, but you know the free the right to, to to freedom of speech. One of the major issues. Of topic now is religious liberty. What do you think about um, li- religious liberty? Businesses having the ability to decide on who and who not to serve based upon the First Amendment. Well, you know, the First Amendment does cover businesses. Um, well, you know, I, I should take that back. In reality, the First Amendment covers uh, what the government what can do to a, a citizen and what a citizen how it can react to a, to the government. Actually, mm-hmm. private industry is a little bit different. Um, private to private. However, I do think that businesses have the right uh, uh, to have a freedom of religion. And if they, they do not, not have the right to serve all people if, if uh, they're a public or if they're a private business. However, at the same time, they have a right to also uh, uh, preserve the religious liberty. If they're being asked to do something that makes them uncomfortable or something that's out of the, the norm uh, to provide a service to somebody, um, like I'm talking about uh, homosexuality, which is, is, is big in the news, uh, somebody should not be forced to do something if that – I kind of like what Bill Clinton says, don't ask, don't tell. If I don't have the information that, that, that would go against my conscience, then I can provide it for you. But if you voluntarily give me information and tell me how you're going to have, we're gonna have this wedding or do this thing, well, now I have now been told and have received that information – that would compromise my religious liberty. There's no reason why a person necessarily in all cases has to tell you more information than you have to know. 
I make let's X quickly, cake and I provide them. Let, thanks. No, thank you for that response, uh, Chris. I want to cover quickly some of the social issues, and we'll go down. Uh, we'll go down the line. Um, as far as life-related issues, thoughts on that? Pro-life, pro-choice, somewhere in the middle. Uh, what do you? What say you? Um, yeah, I'm pro-life, and I come from a different. I mean, not different perspective, but we. Have, it's like it's like the borders. We have laws on the books that are perfectly fine. You just got to enforce those laws. It's just like with with uh, abortion. It's not abortion. Uh, people have taken a word for murder, thing else like pro-choice. Murder is murder. If you commit murder at any stage of life, it's murder. Um, those people should be prosecuted whether they kill a baby outside of the womb or they kill a baby inside the, ro- the womb. Murder protects the person, the, the material. So even if you'd say it's just a cell, well, laws against murder protect the cell. We are made up of cells, all of us. Adults are made up of more cells. It doesn't matter. It protects the, the material person. So if you I believe that abortion is murder um, from the very uh, conception uh, to the end of life. Uh, if if you kill somebody prematurely, then that would that's that's murder, uh, plain and simple. I don't see it any any other way. And if it's got to be an abortion, why have wholesale abortion then? Why not make it under a doctor's care within a hospital for a, a, for a, a specific reason? Shouldn't have clinics um, in spread out through the community give wholesale abortion if it's really done. If you really, we do do it for emergency reasons. Okay, thoughts on uh, marriage equality or same-sex marriage? Well, marriage uh, historically, it, it has come. Marriage, as we know it in America, comes from the church. It comes from the Christian church. We're a Christian-influenced nation. The church has a right to marry whoever they want, and those, I quite frankly, don't even care if the people outside the church if they get married or not. This mm-hmm. is simply an attack on the church. The church has the right to see, you know, marriage between a man and a woman is defined within the church. The greater society doesn't have to get married. They don't have to do anything they want. They can live together all they want. They have the freedom to do whatever they want. The fact that they're getting married, they're stealing, attacking marriages, they're stealing a definition within inside the church. So in a sense, they're really attacking the Christian church because uh, the definition okay. of marriage is really is within the church. So I, I want the people to do whatever they want. I mean, I, if, if at the federal level, I think it should be, decided by the states. I would kick that always to the states, and I would never pass anything that forces the states to do one way or the other. The states have the right to decide that. Do you think that the Second Amendment is absolute? Are you a... Yes. Are you a okay, so you believe that you're a strong... I'm assuming you're a strong supporter then of the, our nation's Second Amendment, and how do you feel about organizations like the NRA? No, they're great. We have the right to keep and bear them. What's going on is the fact that we don't bear them in certain states. Like Texas just passed a law saying that you can bear arms. So most people probably thought they already had that. No, the problem is, is when you don't bear your arms, people become sensitized to those who do bear their arms. So we, we like in the state of Maryland, we, we've got to desensitize these people because of the few rights that the federal government ought to enforce. It's the fact that not only do we have arms, but the inherent right per constitution to bear them. We ought to be able to walk around with them. I don't want them concealed. I want them open carry. Because if you have a weapon, you have a weapon. And a weapon is a psychological deterrent for crime. If you walk into a bank and everybody has a weapon on their hip, I don't think anybody's going to rob that bank. So I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe we don't go far enough, and many states that do go far enough, 
they, they, we have the right to keep them and bear them. Maryland should be not only a, a right to carry, but we should be able to bear those arms. We have the constitutional right to do it. Let's talk about Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and some of the entitlement programs. Do you believe, do you believe or not, that the government should raise the retirement age for Social Security? No, I don't think that we should be penalized because they can't handle their own budget. That's what it's okay. saying. It's saying, look, we, we can't handle the budget. We've taken out of a, a Social Security, which we never should have. So we're going to punish you who are doing what you're supposed to do at home, keeping your own budget, taking care of your, your own family, but we're not taking care of the American family. We're, we're the ones at fault. I tell you what, how about we decrease their pay and just take it out of their pay? How about that? No, we shouldn't be penalized because they can't handle their, uh, their America's budget. Why should, you know, why, why should we do that? They're always going to do that. They've always have done that. They're always going to penalize, penalize us for them doing something that's improper. So, no, it shouldn't raise it. We should force the American government to live within its means, what it has. One of the big criticisms in our country is a massive inequality structure where the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poorer, and that there's an argument that Wall Street has run a muck, excuse me, and big banks are are basically at the are asking the American taxpayer to bail them out. What is your thoughts? I mean, back in 2008, when our financial system for for all intents and purposes, I believe, collapsed uh, because of financial mismanagement. You had a, you had a law like Dodd Frank uh, back in 2006. Do you think that there was that our response? Do we overregulate our uh, with 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 our securities and and then did that kind of precipitously cause the problem? Or you know, and then in 2008, should we have bailed out Detroit or have we bailed out some of these big banks? What say you, Chris? No, no. I, I think it's pretty common that, yes, there is crony capitalism, especially when you get to the big businesses. I don't believe in crony capitalism. The government's there to keep things like that from happening, and that's fine. But I think it's fairly obvious that government involvement in the private sector is what caused a lot of the harm that happened in 2008 and, and, and before and after. In fact, uh, uh, many people have said that it, we would have recovered faster if the government would have stayed out of it. No, with the, especially when it started with the housing market, it's the subsidizing of homes for people who couldn't afford them and never should have been in the house had a domino effect on the economy that was propagated by the, by the federal government. So we, I think we've got to get the federal government out of the private sector, uh, let the private sector do its job. I believe in, in Reaganomics. I really do. Reagan proved we had the best growth in modern history under Reagan, and Bill Clinton he got the benefits for that, and then took credit for it. No, it shows that if you if you lower taxes, take the regulations off of businesses, and allow them to do what they're supposed to do, you will create more jobs, you will create more people paying taxes, and you, you widen the base, and you get a, a lot more money than constraining the American public and, and uh, uh, taking away the jobs and, 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 and also letting them go overseas. So, no, I, there- I think the government is part of the problem, not the solution. Well, I mean, I think that we all can agree on both sides that government spending is out of control. We're borrowing more and more every day. Our national debt uh, is rising. Uh, China uh, comes into major play. And do you think that our government, how much money, I mean, I don't want to give you, I don't want to say a number, but I mean, what do you think as far as uh, your ideas about cutting national spending to reduce the debt? Uh Uh-huh. Well, um, 
No, I'm sorry. I, I should have phrased that. You know, what should the government? What kind of cut should our government be making to reform and to reduce our debt? Well, I do think uh, I'm part of the military, but I do think that the, the military does need to get leaner and meaner. Uh, that's not one of the primary cuts, but I do think there's a lot of lot of fat there. Um, we we should also cut, uh, you know, a lot of the federal programs uh, that affect Department of Education. There are so many agencies, and I've worked in them, sucking up billions and millions of dollars from the taxpayer. And there's so many people, and I, 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 I'm saying this from experience, they're not doing anything. Um, people will agree with, disagree with me here. I don't feel that the person on social welfare is the problem. If we were imagining our budget right, we'd have more than enough money for American citizens. I mean, shoot, half the world is on American social welfare, right? We give money to all these other nations. I believe one of the biggest problems and the biggest uh, uh, solutions we need to do uh, reform is the, the biggest social welfare person isn't the person on it. It's the, it's the government worker. The government worker is completely being paid by taxpayers, and most of these agencies, they're not doing anything. Most of them are redundant. They're just, they're just empire building, and they keep the money flow going. And can we, you name – go ahead. So aside from the – the Department of Education, can you name a few other agencies or federal departments that uh, yeah. you would like to see immediately cut? GSA, uh, Government Services uh, Agency, that could be cut very easily, which they do. Uh, for they, do, they don't do a lot of good. They're supposed to be monitoring different agencies, and we see that they themselves are scandalous. Um, I'd like to see – I'd like to move towards a cons- – what I'd like to see is the taxes move towards a consumption tax. Let's get rid of the IRS. There's really like no – flat tax. For- a flat tax, yes. Let's get rid of things like the IRS and, and, and organizations that work against the people. Um, you know, like many of the candidates that ran for presidency uh, last time, they said you could get rid of whole agencies and nobody would know it. You get rid of them overnight and nobody would even see the effects of them. The Department of Energy, I like what Rush Limbaugh says, it's an agency that doesn't produce any energy. You know, um, many of these agencies are built to restrict America. I'm not saying there isn't some value in some of the things that they do. But you could consolidate a lot of these agencies under one agency and take away many departments, and they could still do the same thing that they're doing now without the, uh, the big budget that they have. But what happens is that they, once you get something started, just like this Obamacare, it's like weed. It just grows and grows and grows, and it demands more and more money. And that's where a lot of the money we could cut. Uh, and, and also cut, cut all – you know, if we don't have a nation ourselves, why in the world are we giving money to all these other nations? especially nations who don't like us in the first place. Nation, they, we say, well, we want to give them money so they don't become corrupt and criminal. They're already right. corrupt and criminal. Almost every nation so that's hit us – go ahead. We have about five minutes left, and I, I want to cover a few more domestic issues and then quickly hit foreign policy. And, Chris, we'll have another opportunity to talk. But so um, one of the big national issues that is defining uh, the 2016 field is the Common Core State Standards. Thoughts on those? Yes, it, like I said, I want to defund Department of Education. Common Core um, uh, leads to common thought, and typically, common thought in this country leads leans more to a, a liberal uh, stance, a liberal philosophy that's antithetical to the principles and the conservative values of this nation. Um, so I do not like Common Core. I want diversity. I want diverse core. Um, I want different. I want the counties to really run their own school departments, and I want them to choose what they want to do. 
Well, I want them to choose their education and, and their core, not common core at the federal level. So you're in favor of a localized approach to education where where school districts and local boards of education um, that is operated at the state level. Would you say that if – do you agree with um, some people who are urging Gov- Governor Hogan to opt out of Common Core? Yes, I would agree with that. I would urge him to opt out of Common Core. That's right. Okay, so we talked a little bit about your your, your policy. I mean, and, and real quick, I want to hit on – Another aspect of education, are you in favor or not in favor of education choice, meaning vouchers, education savings accounts, charter schools? Yes, I'm in favor of all of them. In fact, I pushed for that and talked to people when I ran for the election, for the district election. I, I pushed for the, for the, for the vouchers and, and the charter-type schools. I love, uh, I love the privatization of the school system. Just because we have done school one way for these many years, doesn't mean that we shouldn't move the, the whole paradigm uh, different route uh, to make a better school system. So I, I really push, I really would push for more as much privatization as we can possibly get in the school system. Okay, um, a little bit about on foreign policy. You know, ISIS is of course a a major topic, and in uh, terrorism has been on the minds. Would you know going into Congress? Do you believe that? Uh, do you believe that we should declare war on ISIS, or do you believe that we should bring in more ground troops, or should we uh, take a, a less laissez-faire approach and you know and and look at maybe a less interventionist policy? Well, there are certain different things you should do on different events. Uh, some some re- require uh, uh, conversation and, and talking to a political talk, but with ISIS, we've got to go in and destroy them. They present. Uh, uh, a destabilization in the Middle East, I believe that we should go in and, and we should root them out wherever they're at uh, because they're projecting their power already. Look at the look at the people who have been caught already in America who actually have come on ISIS' side and try to commit terror attacks. Uh, so I believe that they've got to be, they've got to be destroyed. Uh, we've got to take them on, and we've got to take them on with our military. And I won't handcuff the military. I only support a, a president that will go in and fight. Like on my website, I want to commit quick war. I want to fight them, and I want to fight them hard so they never want to attack us again. So we should go should, to war with ISIS. Should the United States continue uh, its strong support for Israel? Yes. I mean, they're an ally. Who wouldn't support an ally, a good ally, in a dangerous part of the world? We should support, we should support them, always support them as an ally in the Middle East. They're our best ally. Of course we should. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you real quick about uh, Cuba. Uh, do you support President Obama's recent move to lift the trade and travel embargo on Cuba? You know, I, I don't. I don't support it. I, I, I think that you could always lift it. I think the Cubans, you know, can make changes and things like that. But I don't support this particular president because I don't like the motives of why he would do it. I, I don't think that they've shown any reasonable okay. stance to show that that they've changed their policies towards America. Um, think about it. Look what the Russians try to do. Right. Cuba, if, if they haven't changed their stance, what's going to happen? Probably Russia, look at what Putin, he'll probably just try to he'll probably have a, uh, another standoff with them. Well, Chris, uh, I, I want to – we're going to have to stop briefly there. Uh, we're going to – I hopefully next time in our next interview we, we can cover uh, health care and uh, Obamacare and some of the other policies. But I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Okay. We're ending the hour out. And uh, Chris – Please come back again, and I want to wish you the best of luck moving forward, and I hope we see each other on the campaign trail. 
Well, thanks a lot, and I can't wait to get out there. Okay, Chris, congratulations on your entry, and you have a great evening. Thanks a lot for having me. Bye. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye.